Hi guys, welcome to Huge Drugs and Huge Drugs Recommendations. This is Chiamaka, the bookish evil girl, and your host on this podcast. So today, I'm going to be, or for this first episode, I'm going to be reading um, an excerpt for you. I'm just starting the book anyways, but before then, I'm just going to give a quick introduction um, my name is Jamaka, like I said. Um, I studied biochemistry, um, but now I'm a women's wear designer. Um, I wanted to start a podcast for a long time, for the longest time. I mean, can testify to the fact that I was always barging in her DMs to ask for suggestions, a name, and what it should be about. You know, it was, at some point I was like, okay, probably drawing the profile. <laughs> At some point, I was like, drunk and hungry, they go foul. <laughs> At another time, it was lit alcoholic. <laughs> I swear, I don't know what what I was going through at that point to even think of such things. But yeah. Anyways, after much of deliberation on my part and, you know, asking you guys a lot of questions, or just one question, basically, I decided to go with reading, reviewing, and recommending. I, my recommendation game is not exactly strong, but I do know that I, I, I feel like I recommend really good books. I mean, so this podcast is because I wanted to, I wanted to give like a variety to, especially to the reviews, and you know, people should have different ways they, they consume book reviews, you know, they can actually read it, or you can actually listen to it, or you can actually watch it. And then for reading, I, I, I like the sound of my voice. Is that vain? Whatever. I like the sound of my voice. And I decided that I wanted to read. <laughs> I'm thinking that one day I could actually narrate a book by one of these very amazing female African authors. But yeah, that's the dream. So this year I decided that I wanted to take a lot of risks. I need to start the things I wanted to do because if I don't, I must just keep on procrastinating. 2020 showed me should you, but we will. So this podcast is one of them. Next up is going to be a YouTube channel, but next up is going to be a YouTube channel, but let's take it one step at a time. Okay? One step at a time. Anyways, that's what this podcast is about. That's who I am. I think I just said my name. I'm 26 years old. Um, if you want to know more about me, you can actually... I'll drop links to different um, places where you can read more about me. Bookstagram, book blog, lifestyle blog. Everything will be on there. Link in... It's description box or show notes. Yeah, link in somewhere. It's going to be around somewhere. Anyways, I am going to be reading the first chapter from Drumroll, please. I'm going to be reading the first chapter from The First Woman. Cue round of applause. The First Woman is the is a is a book club read for match for the indulgent bibliophile, and my God. I mean, does the damn work. That's just all I can say. And all of the um, book club members are so amazing. 
like it was one book club that was actually actually very active in like extremely active in well not extremely but i'm active in and i have not decided how i want to run away or i just wanted to be silent but no i'm actually very engaging and uh and it's great so if you haven't already joined the indulgent profile please do so we have book chats and we i'm going to give all the details so i mean find it on instagram thank you so yeah the first woman by jennifer nasumbuka makumbi or you makumbi stan well i think this is going to be the deciding factor if i stan we stan and pakistan Uzbekistan, understand makumbi so let's get into it not much um i'm going to start off by reading the um blog to you and then we're going to go into it so as i'm reading i might chip in reactions i feel like i'm a chip in reactions i don't know but let's let's see how it goes if i see something that is quite funny and doesn't make sense to me i would laugh or i would give a reaction to that but i decided that i wanted to start reading um the first woman and just you know I don't know just make it make this first episode um memorable because it's actually going to push me to read the book obviously to push me i obviously read the book of the month but starting it now is just going to give me the push to actually continue reading so here's a blog it says a dazzling feminist coming of age tale from the award-winning author of chintu For one young girl, discovering what it means to become a woman in a family, a community, and a country determined to silence her will take all the courage she has. Growing up in a small Ugandan village, Kirabo is surrounded by powerful women. Her grandmother, her aunts, her friends and cousins are all desperate for her to conform. But Kirabo is inquisitive, headstrong, and determined. Up until now, she has been perfectly content with her life at the heart of this prosperous extended family. But as she enters her teenage years, she begins to feel the absence of the of the mother she has never known. The first woman follows Kirabo on her journey to becoming a young woman and finding her place in the world as her country is transformed by the bloody dictatorship of Idi Amin. Jennifer Makumbi has written a sweeping tale of longing and rebellion at once epic and deeply personal, steeped in an intoxicating mix of ancient Uganda folklore and modern feminism that will linger in the memory long after the final page. So there's one thing I have to actually come, like, Makumbi actually writes beautifully, like, so well. I like the fact that she actually always combines the historical with the, um, historical with her stories you know there's so many things a lot of people didn't know about Idi Amin all people knew about Idi Amin was the fact that he was eating Nandos that's what I knew and then solidify it uh, or rather um I think set it in stone what made it more so was when I watched um The Last King of Scotland and I was like okay this man they eat people so that's like the only thing but you know from reading chintu i've been able to research and find out more about idi amin 
but I digress. So I'm going through reading um, chapter one. First of all, the book is divided into five parts. The witch, the bitch, <laughs> the witch, the bitch, utopia, when the villages were young, why penned hens peck each other. So let's start from the witch. Chapter one, page three. Are you guys ready? Because I know that I am. Um, I'm reading, I'm, I'm recording this straight up, um, yeah, let's start. And please, I might mispronounce some words, I might especially Ugandan references, even English words, so don't crucify me, I beg. I know Sabine English. Thank you. I think I should read at one point in teaching. Ooh, that might be so cute. Anyways, chapter one. Nateta Bugere, Uganda, May 1975. Until that night, Kirabo had not cared about her. She was curious on occasion. Where she is, what does she look like, how does it feel to have a mother, that sort of thing. But whenever she was asked, or whenever she asked about her, and family said, no one knows about her. And that never mind way of large families, she dropped it. After all, she was with family and she was loved. But then, recently, her second self, the one who did mad things, had started to fly out of her body and she had linked the two. On this occasion, when she asked about her mother, and family fogged her off again with, don't think about her, think of your grandparents or your father something tore it must have been the new suspicion maybe she does not want me because i am that cuts like razors a mosquito came swinging it must have gorged itself on someone because his song was slow and deep unlike the skinny high-pitched hungry ones that flew as if crazed kirabo's eyes found it and followed it Followed it and rising to her knees, she clapped it so hard her palms burned. She brought her hands to the candle to check the price. Black blood, yesterday's. There is no satisfaction like clapping a blotted mosquito out of existence mid-air. She wiped mosquito mash on a stray piece of paper and sat, and sat back and waited again. Kirabo wanted storytelling, but the teenagers were engrossed in gossip. They lounged on three bunk beds in a girl's bedroom. Some lay, some sat, legs dangling, others cross-legged, squeezed cozily two or three to a bed. They had gathered as usual after supper to chatter before going off to sleep. Kirabo was not welcome. For a while, she had watched them. Waiting to catch a pause, a breath, a tick of silence in their babble, to wedge in her call to storytelling. Nothing. Finally, she gritted her teeth and called. Once a day came, but her voice carried too far above the teenagers' heads and rang impatient on the rafters. The hush that fell could have brought down trees. Teenagers' head, heads turned, eyes glaring. But who does this child think she is? 
Some see through what makes you think they want to hear your stories. None answered her call. Another 12-year-old would have been intimidated. There were 10 teenagers in the room, but not curable. Not visibly, anyway. She stared straight ahead, lips pouting. She was the cabija of her grandparents, which meant that all the love in the house belonged to her. And whether they liked it or not, the teenagers, her aunts and uncles, would sit quietly and suffer her story. But Kirabo's eyes, the first thing you saw on her skinny frame with eyelids darker than shadows and lashes as long as brush brittles, betrayed her. They blinked rapidly, a sigh that she was a sign that she was not immune to the angry silence. Unfortunately, tradition was that she could not start her story until the audience granted her permission, but she had begun by annoying them. On the floor in front of Kirabo was a kerosene candle. The Taduba only partially lit the room, throwing her shadow, elongated like a mural and twitching like a, a spectre, against the wall. She looked at the candle's flame. A slender column of smoke rose off it and streamed up to the beams. A savage thought occurred to her. She could blow the flame out and turn the room blind dark. And to annoy the teenagers properly, she could scamper off to grandfather's bedroom with the matchbox. Instead, Kirabo cradled the fragile flame between her palms to protect it from her breath. Her evil self, the one who quickened her breath and brought vengeful thoughts, retreated. Still no response to her call. The teenager's rejection of her story gripped the room like a sly fart. Why were there so many of them in, the, in her home anyway? They came uninvited, usually at the beginning of the year, and crowded the place as if it was a hostel. The sheer number of them made her feel like a calf in a herd. Kirabo blinked the spite away. Most of the teenagers were grandmother's relatives. They came because her grandfather was good at keeping children in school. Also, great-grand Lutu had built the schools and churches, and grandfather was on the board of governors for all schools, Catholic and Protestant, primary and secondary in the area. When he asked for a place in any of the schools, he got it. His house was so close by, they did not have to work a long way to work to school. Grandfather's mantra was, a girl uneducated is an oppressed wife in the making. Grandmother was renowned for keeping girls safe from pregnancy. All the girls that passed through her hands finished their studies. Still, Kirabo wanted to tell the teenagers to go back where they came from if they didn't want to hear her stories, but some were her father's siblings. Unfortunately, she didn't know who was who, since everyone seemed to come and go during school breaks and they all called grandmother Mama and grandfather Tata. To ask, by the way, who are my grandparents real children would in earn her a smacking. Keen, you were our eyes. Grandfather's voice leapt over the wall from the room next door, granting her permission to tell her story. Kirabo perked up, her face a beam of triumph. 
She glanced sideways at the teenagers. Their eyes were slaughter. She beat back a smirk. She had worked hard at the story, told it to Kiba, her best friend when they were not fighting, and Kiba was awed. 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 <laughs> Grandmother, not disposed to wasting words and empty compliments, had said, your skills is growing. The day before, when Kiraba took the goats to graze, she stood on top of an anthill and told it to the plain. The story came out so perfectly. The goats stood in awe. Once a day came when a man, his name was Luzi, married his woman. Would he marry your woman instead? The boy sneered under his breath. Kirabo ignored him. They had many children, but they were all girls. The girls snorted, as if Kirabo's story was already predictable. Luzi became sad, as every time the woman had another girl. At first, he thought it was bad luck that girl babies kept coming. But then, but then, the woman made it a habit. Every time, girl, 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 eh? One day, Lucy called her. I have been patient, he said, puffing on his pipe. But I have decided to bring someone else to help you. Kirabo took a breath to, go, to gauge her audience's attention. The teenagers were silent, but their eye was still stiff in the air. That year, Lucy married another woman. Through time, they had many children, but they were all girls. Lucy despaired. Why were girl-bearing women not labeled so he could avoid them? Still, he married a third woman. She bore him many children, but they too were girls. One day, Luzi called his three wives into the house and gave them an ultimatum. From today onwards, if you, or you, or you, he jabbed a finger at each woman, bear me another girl, don't bring her home. That year, the women worked harder. They fell pregnant. Oh, sorry for all the noise. They fell pregnant. The first one to deliver had a daughter. One look at the baby and she was packing. The second delivered. It was a girl. She too left. When the third delivered, it was a boy. She lifted her breast to the sky. But wait, there was something left in her stomach. She pushed and out came a girl. The woman despaired. She looked first at her son and then at the daughter the son again and then the daughter she made up her mind next to her was an anthill you know in those days babies were delivered in matu plantations the anthill had a big hole that opened into the ground the woman picked up the baby girl and stuffed her inside the hole then she carried the baby boy home and presented him to Lucy. the celebration the jubilation Kiraba was so lost in her story, waving her arms about, making faces and making Lucy's voice, that she did not care whether her audience was engrossed. Lucy named the boy Molindi because he had waited a long time for him to be born. Meanwhile, every day the woman crept back to the plantation and nursed her daughter. 
As she stuffed her back into the hole, she would she would shush, stay quiet. But as the daughter grew, she devised songs to keep herself company and to make the darkness bearable. Meanwhile, Molindi explored the villages, fields, hills, swamps, until one day he walked past the anthill and heard a sweet but sad song. We were born multiple like twins, Baswa. But father had dropped a weighty word, Waswa. You bear a, do- a girl, don't bring her home, Waswa. But a boy, bring the boy home, Waswa. I keep my own company with song, Waswa. Oh, Waswa, you are a lie, Waswa. Oh, Waswa, you are a lie, Waswa. The song talked at Mulinde's heart. When he went home, a song followed him. The following day, he hauled him back to the anthill, and the day after, and every day. At meal times, he kept some of his food, and when he got a chance, he crept to the anthill and threw the food down the hole. Still, the sun came. Luzi noticed that Molinde was growing cheerless. When he asked what was wrong, Molinde had no words. Luzi was so troubled, he kept an eye on his son. In time... He noted that Mulinde kept some of his hood and after lunch disappeared into the plantation. One day he followed him. What he saw almost blinded him. The anthill in the plantation started to sing, but instead of fleeing, Mulinde trotted up to it and fed it his food. Lucy grabbed his son and ran home and sounded the alarm drums. Gwangamuji, Gwangamuji, Gwangamuji. All men, wherever they were, whatever they were doing, picked up their weapons and converged in Luzi's courtyard. Luzi addressed them. Brothers, this is not for shivering cowards. Something beyond words is in my plantation inside an anthill. We must approach with caution. If you are liquid-hearted, stay here with the women and children. Real men, warriors, hunters, trackers, smiths, and medicine men tightened their giddles and surrounded the plantation. Then they proceeded, muscles straining as they crouched, palms setting around weapons. They trod softly as if the earth could com- would crumble, hardly breathing. Finally, they had the anthill surrounded. It started to sink. Luzi put his spear down and carefully daubed the anthill. After a while, a girl child emerged. She was fully formed, totally human, only crumpled. The men drew their weapon, threw their weapons down and wiped away their sweat. Even though the sun blinded her and she had to shield her eyes with her hand to look up at the huge men, even though she was as pale as a queen tamite from the lack of sunshine. Even though she was surrounded by a vast world she did not understand, she, the girl sang. We were born multiple like twins, Waswa. But father had dropped a heavy word, Waswa. You bear a girl, don't bother bringing her home, Waswa. But a boy, bring the boy home, Waswa. Oh, Waswa, you are a lie, Waswa. Luzi looked at his son, then at the girl, at the son again, then the girl. Finally, it dawned. 
He lodged his spear so forcefully into the earth it quivered. Where is she? Today she will. He did not complete the, the threat. This misnaming of his family. Iwaswa called Mulindi and poor Nakato denied sunshine. Then there was himself, Salango, ultra-viral, called plain Lucy like ordinary men. For some time, nothing stirred. Just this long hush that fell over the gallants and over the Matuk plantation and stretched to where the women and the cowards stood. Now and again, the real men shook their heads and sucked their teeth, but no words. Their spares lay useless on the ground. You see, in the face of a singing child, the weapons accused them. Women, one of the heroes finally sighed. The way they seem so weak and helpless and you feel for sorry for them. But I am telling you, beneath that helplessness, they are deep. A dangerous death without a bottom. He nailed the words into a fist with an open palm. You live with them, love them, and have children with them, thinking they are fellow humans. But I am telling you, you know nothing. Dito, even then, another shook his head. This one is a woman and half. Me, I gave up on women a long time ago, another one said. You expect them to do this, they do that. You think they are here, but they are there. Today they are this. Tomorrow they are that. A woman will kill you with your eyes wide open like this. He opened his eyes wide, but you will not see it coming. But it was the women who were most enraged. You know what they say. No wrath like, mo no wrath like, mortal, like moral women against the wicked one. At the sight of the child, the good women of the community lacerated themselves with fury. A whole woman, hmm? With breasts, hmm? To bury her own child in an anthill. She is no woman, that one. She is an animal. It is such women who make us look bad. And you wonder why the world thinks we are all evil. Where is she? Let her come and explain. The women. So incensed themselves that they that had they got their hands on Luzi's woman, they would have ripped her to shreds. As for me, Kira Bonamiro, I could not wait for retribution. I hurried home to Nateta on these feet, Kirabo pointed to her feet, to tell the tale of a woman who buried her daughter in an anthill to remain in marriage. For a moment, the house was silent. Kirabo had begun to revel in the success of her storytelling when she sensed an anxiety in the air. As if she had stumbled onto something she should not know. But then, grandfather broke out. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Is this child a brute or is she something else? Haha, <laughs> this I have never seen. Just like my grandmother. When my grandmother raised her in a tail, even the mice fell silent. Dala, dala, grandmother agreed. But the teenagers did not reject, did not congratulate her. Girls stood up and threw the boys off their beds. The boys slid down and yawned, ambled, yawned and ambled towards their door, their bedroom. 
The teenager's rejection of her story stung. Kirabo's head dropped, her eyes welling. That was when she whispered, making sure her grandparents did not hear. The teenager stopped, exchanged looks. I want to go to my mother, Kirabo mumbled. She was, her, she was sure her mother would love her story. Ha! A boy clapped and belated her. Did you hear her story? Me. I told you a long time ago. That child is gifted. Too gifted I couldn't tell stories at her age. I still couldn't, even if you paid me. That was Gaye, one of the big girls. The teenagers were working hard at their all because if grandfather found out Kirabo had a need to long for her mother, someone was going to cry. Kirabo had to be consoled before she went to bed. Oh, Kirabo, Gaye's crooning would melt a stone. Is sleep troubling you? Let me take you outside to relieve yourself. She held Kirabo's hand and led her into the diary, the living and dining room, picked up the hurricane lamp on the coffee table and stepped outside. Normally, Kirabo enjoyed their monkish attention after she threatened the teenagers, but not this time. No one had answered her question about her mother. She slumped into self-pity. My mother does not want me, the teenager stiffened, because I am a witch. Kirabo did not see them relax. She had never confessed about her two selves, let alone flying. But that day, the pain was intense. That is silly, Kirabo. Gai rubbed the back of her neck. How can you be a witch? Then where is she? We don't know. No one knows. The other teenagers, who had also come out to use the toilet, remained quiet. A desperate quiet, as if Kirabo had opened the doorway to where a monster was changed, chained. Don't think about her, Gai pulled Kirabo close to herself. Think about Tom and how he loves you. Indeed, the teenagers agreed, and you know your grandparents would give the world for you. Too true, a boy said. I tell you, Kirabo, if you died today, those two would offer to be buried instead. Kirabo smiled despite her pain. It was true. Although grandmother loved her carefully because loving her too much could be tragic, her grandfather was brazen. He did not care that she might get spoilt, and Kirabo wielded his love ruthlessly over the teenagers and the villages. As for Tom, her father, his love was in a hurry. He came briefly from the city and wrapped it around her for an hour or two. Nonetheless, that night, Kirabo felt that once again the family had avoided telling her about her mother. Yet, to ask her grandparents would be to say that their love was not enough. As she waited for the teenagers taking turns to use the toilet, she looked around. The night was solid. The moon was mean and remote, the stars thin and scanty. A shooting star fell out of the sky, but as Kirabo gasped, it vanished. My mother is somewhere under that sky. Perhaps she found out her baby had a sweet self and abandoned me. Perhaps I started flying out of my body as soon as I was born. Perhaps and perhaps swirled 
staring a pain she could not take to grandmother or grandfather and say, Jaja, a heart tear. This is when Kirabo decided to consult Suta, the blind witch down the road. Though Suta was practically blind, behind her blindness you could see. But Suta was not just a witch, she was grandmother's foe. Their field was Mount Kilimanjaro. Apparently, Nsuta had stolen love from the family. Tom, Kirabo's father, loved Nsuta as much as grandmother, his own mother. Some said he loved Nsuta more. If that is not witchery, then there is no witchery in the world. Thus, Kirabo consulting Nsuta meant betraying grandmother in the most despicable way. But that night, with none of her family offering to help find her mother, Kirabo saw no other option. And that is the end of chapter one. So apologies for the um, noise in the background. Um, I filmed this in the morning, uh, I did at night, but it wasn't giving me great quality. Um, I just woke up early um, in the morning to, to I said film. My God, sorry, I recorded this early in the morning, so you know everybody's already up and bustling and trying to get ready for work, which is actually the wrong time. But yeah, night time it is. Night time, at least twelve a.m. That's when I'll be recording. But basically, that's all of it. Um, I enjoyed reading that. Oh my God, my mouth hurts, and I I had to take a lot of drinking breaks yeah anyways um thank you for listening um i hope you really enjoyed and i hope this actually put some level of curiosity into you to want to pick up the first woman and read um all of the links will be in the show notes i, I think that's what they call it show notes and please subscribe on all of your reading platform um my god on all of your listening platforms um i think it's only not available on Deezer music but i think it's available on apple spotify google podcast overcast radio podcast something all of that plenty um stuff like that uh yeah um what else you can chat me up, follow me on social media, social, 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 social media. If you have recommendations or if you have book suggestions you would like me to read, please send me your recommendations, send me a message. You can send, um, what's it called, voice messages as well. Send voice messages. I love voice messages. I swear, I love voice messages. At least I like listening to people's voices. There's something about it. So yeah, send me messages, guys. I love messages. And um, that concludes episode one. Thank you so much for joining me. And I will see you next Friday. I don't know what I'm going to be doing next Friday. I don't know if I'm going to be reviewing. Hopefully, I will finish reading a book that I'm currently reading, Ace of Spades. And it's already is Dark Academia. If you follow me on 
postagram you would also be following oinda and oinda gave recommendations on of dark academia and the book is already scaring me but yeah i digress so if i finish before next friday i'm going to be giving a review but there are other couple there are a couple of other books that i'm reading as well so i'll give a review and then i don't know what i'm going to be doing next friday so just going to keep you on your toes and you're just going to have to be thinking about oh my god what's she going to give next friday yeah thank you so much and adios enjoy the rest of is it the rest of your <laughs> my god i don't have this tea enjoy yourself however whenever you're re- listening to this just enjoy yourself and bye